Every day of our lives is spent in the built environment. We live in homes and apartments, drive on roads, get gas from pipelines, go to work in buildings, make purchases in stores and restaurants. We rely on factories, plants, doctor's offices, and hospitals for our basic human needs. And while our world continues to shift and grow and change, the development and delivery of the built environment has fallen dramatically behind. Welcome to The Built Revolution. We're here to engage the leaders, visionaries, and innovators who are revolutionizing the built environment. This podcast is brought to you by Continuum Advisory Group. Hello, and welcome to The Built Revolution podcast, brought to you by Continuum Advisory Group. I'm Clark Ellis, Principal with Continuum Advisory Group, and I'm here today uh, with Kelsey Henderson, our president. She's our Lean and Integrated Project Delivery expert and is a Lean Consultant member with LCI. This is the third episode in our mini-series that focuses on lean and integrated project delivery. And today, we're going to really dig into partner selection and how to get away from the traditional RFP when selecting partners for your construction team. Kelsey, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Clark. Great to have you here. Yeah, great to be here. I'm happy to be recording our our third episode in this series, and uh, this is a topic that is both a kind of a point of frustration for me at times and something that I'm also pretty passionate about. And so I'm glad that we're talking about this today. It's fantastic. And it, this is something I, I share your passion for, been something that I've worked on in my practice since the late 90s in the construction space. So re- really love to, to kind of take off the gloves and, and, and dig in here. So as usual, we always want to think about why something is important, why something matters, and you know, why should we be talking about partner selection, especially in the context of, quote unquote, getting away from the traditional RFP? Yeah. So this really is just like a critical first step in the overall project lifecycle and and the process. It's where it goes from, you know, initial concept or identifying a business need on the owner Mm -hmm. side to actually starting to have conversations and, and collaborate with the overall marketplace. Right. Um, so to me, partner selection is the first opportunity for an owner to set the stage on how the project's going to be executed, starting to create the culture that's going to exist and, you know, kind of bringing together and integrating a team around that business need. And, you know, I said, you know, obviously this can be a point of frustration. I think when an owner goes about this process of trying to select members for a lean IPD team, and they're following kind of a more traditional partner selection process with a traditional RFP through usually some sort of a bidding platform, an online bidding platform. I think that really um, can do some damage right from the beginning, kind of set the team up for challenges and really not setting the right intention or or environment for how the project's going to be implemented when the idea is that we are going to be doing something different with lean and integrated project delivery versus a more traditional execution model. Yeah. The the image that comes to my mind is is selecting your team based on who survives a barroom fight and then expecting everyone to to act as family, you know, right. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, you know, you don't necessarily know that you've got even the the best fighter at that point, you just have the person who's left and um, it really does not set the stage for the sort of, you know, that more family oriented, um, aligned, integrated team that we're hoping to create and hoping to have deliver um, an exceptional result. Isn't usually the guy that dives behind the bar and hides that ends up. <laughs> right. the anyway. Exactly, exactly. Um, but, and, been a while and since, since I've been involved in a barroom fight, so I, I can't remember. 
been years. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, but I mean, beyond just, you know, kind of setting a poor stage for, for culture and how we bring the team together, you could also potentially be cutting off some of your opportunities for early innovation and collaboration and sharing of ideas. Um, you know, when you send out a very kind of specific RFP, um, you're already starting to assume the solution and, and not really allowing right. the opportunity that would create for sharing more of the business need and allowing your potential partners to come up with innovative ideas and solutions and how they would bring something to life. Um, so it's, you know, not only is it kind of the, the face you're showing to the marketplace and that critical first step in engaging the team, it's also your first opportunity to really you know, bring innovative, creative solutions and, right. and constructive challenging to the dynamic. So, so you're really, you're, you're both modeling the, the culture and the way that you, that you expect the, uh, the project team to operate with the way that you're, you're doing partner selection, but then you're also you know, opening yourself up to the creativity of the partners that you're working with and getting their, their best ideas before you get set maybe too early on a specific path you know, for how you want to deliver you know, deliver the project. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's a first opportunity to start having interactions with the market and, and having some, you know, conversations and dialogue before those proposals are even due. Um, even as a consulting firm, we've gotten, you know, traditional RFPs and, and we're being asked to come in as a coach for what should be an integrated project delivery methodology. And then, you know, when we receive an RFP and we're asked to bid through sort of a black box system, um, and we can tell it's traditional because it still has language in it from when they were, you know, selecting a general contractor right. from some previous project. It's, it doesn't really give me the sense that that owner is serious about how they're going to go about implementing IPD. And, you know, I'm sure that it's not creating that sort of experience for their other yeah. partners who they're asking to come in and, and serve as a sort of integrator function for the project. Yes. Yeah, it just reminded me of this term that I've heard before for, you know, companies that are, are trying to appear as if they are uh, doing things maybe in an environmentally friendly way. And they call it greenwashing, where it's more of mm -hmm. a market. It's, it's just, this could be kind of leanwashing. Yeah. You know, um, where, you know, for whatever reason, someone's decided they, they want to have that, that terminology associated with the project, but they haven't really dug into understanding uh, how much of a paradigm shift needs to take place for it to be effective, right? Which yeah. I think is you make that you, you've made that point before. Maybe you can dig into that a little bit more. You know, in terms of the you know, you're not just you can't just take one little you know piece of the project. Okay, we're we're going to do lean here, but we're going to ignore you know all the rest of this. Right. Yeah. That's I like that term. I'm going to keep that one in my back pocket. Um, <laughs> I'm actually submitting uh, with another consultant, submitting a proposal to speak on this exact subject at LCI's Congress in Detroit in October. And I think lean washing might become part of the title of that proposal. <laughs> so. Make sure you credit me the first time you use it. That's all I ask. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, so the paradigm shift, I mean, you know, when we're engaging in integrated project delivery, it really truly is a, a different approach. And when we're selecting partners, that should look different uh, because what we're asking those partners to do is different. How we're asking them to behave and contribute to the overall project delivery is, is just totally a different process. And mm -hmm. in this case, the cultural fit is one of the most critical components for partners as you engage in partner selection. You know, you're gonna wanna see uh, behaviors and cultural characteristics that contribute to collaboration, trust and transparency, innovation and learning. 
And in this environment, culture is much more critical than being the lowest bidder, um, which, you know, often has been some of our higher priority criteria Mm -hmm. for selecting partners in traditional approaches. Yeah. You've heard me preach, complain, (laughs) lament, you know, the (laughs) the fact that we tend to say, call price and cost, uh, you treat them as interchangeable terms. Mm -hmm. uh, where they're not. And we really need to be clear about defining what does is, what is a low price versus a low cost mean, right? You right, know? right. Because the lowest bid is almost never the lowest price, you know, in the long run. Right, um, right. You know, it's kind of the old adage that as soon as the contractor is putting together the proposal, they're already starting to work on their change orders. And, yeah. Yeah. you know, that's not the sort of culture or environment that we're trying to create with integrated project delivery. And so we want to start from the very beginning with more of the emphasis on culture and and not necessarily on, um, you know, lowest fees or lowest cost or, you know, some of those other, you know, calculations that come into play often. Right. It's funny. Yeah. I've always looked at it and said, you know, I can price however I want to price. So that's a decision I can make. I can, I can say that I'm going to charge you $10, $10, you know, for this service, but low cost is a whole totally different thing where that means that I can actually deliver it profitably for $10. Right. And with that, there's a whole lot more to it than just, you know, changing the number on a bid sheet. You've got to really understand how, what you're delivering, how you're delivering it, how you're connecting with the other suppliers and partners on the project. You know, you, you've got to be very clear. The owner's got to be very clear about what they're trying to accomplish you know, on the project and so that they, they can then measure the value that's being delivered. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's very, very deep conversation versus just saying, oh, well, I'm the low bidder, therefore uh, I'm the lowest cost. It's like, no, you're, you, that's, that's almost never the case. Right, exactly. Yeah, I think we've talked about before. I, yeah, I was fortunate to be working with a, 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 an owner a contractor alliance that's going on since the early 2000s, you know, over 20 years. And the, the thing that you know, we did really well on that, that's really stood the test of time was really establishing value from the start, the definition of value for the owner, but also for the, the contractor and then committing uh, to the, to that value as a team so that the, you know, the contractor is committed to the owner's value, the value, and the owner's committed to the contractor's value. And that's why it's still still in existence today. Yeah. Um, um, but we miss that a lot in, in the traditional way of delivering construction projects and capital projects. Um, yeah, there's a lot more to, you know, value creation and, and definition of value than just what the costs are. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, I think one of the things that this different way of, uh, of going out partner selection I mean, surely it, it'll change the criteria that, we, that you would use you know, as an owner for determining what type of, of partners that, you, that would fit you know, for your project. Is this something that you could elaborate on maybe a little bit? Yeah. I mean, you know, like I said, first of all, cultural fit is of critical importance. And, mm-hmm. you know, typically when you're going into partner selection for IPD, you start, you know, you do a progressive approach most of the right. time. And so you'll start with you know, selecting the first key partner, it could be the engineering firm, it could be, you know, construction management firm. Um, but usually what you're looking for is who's going to fill sort of the integrator role and, and what does that look like for this particular project? And then you work with, you know, that, that first selected partner to go through partner selection the rest of the way through the line for who all is going to be part of the IPD team. And of course, not every partner will be signed on to like a poly party agreement or shared contract. 
Right. Some will still be um, subcontracted or, or outside of that arrangement. But for the partners who are critical, who are going to be part of that, that group, you know, usually you're engaging in that progressive process. And when I've seen this done well, you're looking at the cultural fit for each of those. So does that first partner fit well with the culture you want to create for the team and, and with the owner's culture? And then from there, each of the partners, do they fit within the team that's already been formed and come together? And so that's a, a key piece of it. You know, I often see questions about experience with lean tools or previous experience right. with polyparty agreements and IFOA or whatever that might be. Um, and while, you know, the willingness to engage in that is crucial, mm-hmm. I would say the experience is, is less critical. Um, I think, you know, I've seen teams come together where a lot of the partners had not had experience with an integrated form of agreement or some mm-hmm. other polyparty agreement in the past um, that were very successful because culturally it fit well and they had kind of the organizational aptitude for right. engaging in that. You know, they were they had an organization that was willing to take on some of the risks associated and you know willing to engage in that sort of an arrangement. And so I'd say that's more critical than than the experience itself. Another thing that you want to look for is, you know, just really innovative partners. Right. You know, you, like I said earlier, this is one of your first opportunities to, to, to present the business need and mm-hmm. allow the market or your potential partners or even perhaps organizations that you've had past relationships with to provide innovative solutions to, um, you know, collaborate and come up with different approaches and ideas to achieve that best value and to meet the business need. And so, You want organizations that are not necessarily just order takers, but are willing to engage in constructive challenging. Um, There was a a team that I worked with many years ago where the the general contractor that was involved, they were part of a kind of a shared risk reward. It wasn't a full IPD arrangement, but they were part of some sort of a, a shared risk and reward process. And they were able to save millions of dollars in the early planning phases before they'd even, you know, gone to contract or committed to numbers. Uh, because they challenged, you know, the the load requirements for a whole series of dock doors that was going to be installed in a manufacturing right. facility, and they basically said, you know, you're asking for for gold standard when that's not what's actually needed here. Right. And if we can revisit some of these requirements, this is a significant savings. And that wouldn't have really been part of, you know, the process if they'd not gone after partners for this who were you know, willing to engage in that sort of innovative solutions seeking conversation. So they were looking really for companies that, that are maybe view, view their own role as creating value versus, you know, just to taking an order for a widget and, and delivering that widget. Exactly. And it's, you know, it has to be part of the organizational culture, but it also comes down to the, the individuals who are involved in the process as well and, and who are going to be part of the actual project. And so, that's another thing is, you know, when you get to interview phase um, and you're doing partner selection for these sorts of projects is you want the people who will be involved in the project to be the people who are showing up for interview. Um, you don't want, you know, half the marketing department in suits coming in the door. You want to see who's going to be the boots on the ground and who's going to actually be involved. And then are those people, do they have, you know, the cultural fit and then that sort of innovative mentality? And are they, are they supported by their organizations? speak on their behalf, make decisions on their behalf and engage in that sort of project approach. 
um, we've talked a lot about culture. You know, we, we've talked about innovation and uh, you know solution development, value based you know decision making a little bit there. The, the example of, of the load on the doors and the manufacturing facility. Those are can be some really mushy things to measure, and and you know, yeah. the, you know the technical mind and you know really loves something that's you know quote unquote objective and is a number that you can point to. So I know you do a great job of coaching teams through this process. What are what are some of the key key success factors when doing this type of selection in terms of evaluating cultural fit, evaluating innovation, and, and those types of things that are that I agree are are just really important. Um, how do you do that? Yeah. So I would say, you know, first of all, every, every owner is different and every project is different. And so one of the first things that I challenge an owner to do is yes, we can design an approach that you can use from project to project, but the actual like selection criteria, the decision-making criteria is going to vary from project to project. And so the first step in that process needs to be getting internally aligned. So collaborating on who's going to be part of this from the owner's side, and then what are the key decision-making factors for this particular project? And so that's probably going to be, it depends on the project, right? If it's a, it's a greenfield field project, it might just be who is, you know, project management, who's going to be involved in the early planning stages, right. and then who's going to be involved during execution, getting those folks aligned around it. But say we're, you know, doing an addition to an existing facility, we need to get people from operations involved in those conversations. What's important to them and what's going to be delivered? You know, where's the financing coming from inside the organization? There's a number of different kind of, you know, motives and priorities at play here. And so we really need to get aligned around that and, and bring together a team who's going to be involved in the partner selection process. And that can't just be procurement. You know, it's got to be the folks who are involved in the project itself. And then they need to align on, on what their selection criteria is. And a lot of those kind of softer things that, that we were talking about that are really critical, you're simply not going to get a sense for those just from a proposal. Sure, you right. could get you know references and examples that could be documented there and you know a number of other important factors to, to show capability um, and things along those lines, but you're not going to get a feel for whether there's truly a fit until you get into kind of some of the more interactive interview type stages. And so you're kind of eliminating some of your early opportunity for that if you're just using, like I said, a bidding system to collect proposals. But really, when you get into interview, that's the most critical time to start to assess some of that. And so you need to have some sort of a structure in place where uh, the people involved are kind of documenting as you're going through the interview process. But then creating scenarios and opportunities for that to come through, you know, setting up some sort of a, a play acting scenario where you talk about a challenge on a project and, and ask the team to come together with solutions. Um, another really useful tool in setting up the interview process is to ask maybe the primary partner to bring, uh, who's going to be first selected to bring some of their partners in who they think might be a good fit and to start to see how they might be able to form a team um, early on in that process, even though we're just kind of focusing on that, that progressive uh, first partner. So there's a number of different things that can be done in interview to start to gather some of that and then just making sure that you're aligned ahead of time as to how you're going to measure it and then ultimately make selection. So you're really, it sounds like, you know, A, you've got you've to make sure you've got the criteria 
that makes sense for the, the whatever the situation is that you're, you're you're putting a team together. So you you can have a process that is consistent, but you you've got to make sure that you you do your due diligence for each individual project to make sure you're, you're really assessing the right things specifically for that project. And then right. it sounds like it sounds like you're also saying that you know as, as another step, the actual interview process itself really is is not just an interview. It sounds like a, you know, it needs to be a very interactive uh, session. Can even include some workshopping, some brainstorming. You know, getting a chance to kind of you know, see how the team you know actually behaves and communicates when they're when they're solving problems. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. And there are different number of tools that you can use in this process. If you've got people, you know, internally who have experience with it, choosing by advantages can be a great tool. And so going through that sort of a process, you know, you establish what the criteria is at the beginning and kind of talk about what's important. You start to apply some, some weights to that, you know, some things might be more critical than others. And then you use that as sort of a template when you're going through um, interviews and partner selection and, and start to weigh different components against each other from, from each of the different potential partners. And so, you know, it doesn't have to be that sort of a prescriptive approach, but it is one tool that can be really useful just as you're trying to come up with ways to, you know, evaluate, measure, and, and kind of document and make decisions. Well, yeah, you know, if I think about the, the, the owner selection teams, you know, I've worked with over the years, you know, they've been trained and managed very differently from what you're describing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I can see how there may be a, a real adjustment period for folks and really, a, you know, a, a kind of a learning process in terms of kind of how do you conduct you know, the process and then how, how do you make sure that you're getting the information that, that you need to be able to differentiate between, you know, different options for partners. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I've, I've worked with owners on this and it, it was not their first, you know, IPD yeah. engagement. It, it wasn't their fifth IPD engagement. It was you know, they'd kind of gotten partway down the road. They'd made some progress in, in being able to actually, you know, move to a poly party agreement, an integrated form of agreement or something along those lines. And, and then realized that they were kind of missing a step with the partner selection, that they didn't really right. have the right framework and structure in place after they'd moved into this new approach and process for delivery. So, you know, I've worked with owners on taking that step back and, and custom designing something that fits for them and, and then them kind of applying that uh, project by project moving forward. And it, you know, it really does look different. And then kind of the last thing I want to say about that, just to, to wrap this all back up is that, you know, one of the obligations we have as an owner going through this process is then to provide feedback to the participants. I mean, we're asking for people to spend considerable time and effort in an interview process, like what we just described about workshopping yeah. and yeah. You know, bringing the people who would actually be part of the project, engaging with partners in the industry, but providing that feedback afterwards. So even if, you know, one of the partners did not win the project, we want to maintain those relationships. And part of this is that we're yeah. engaging with the overall community in a different way. And again, we're, you know, we want to focus on that, that lean concept of respect for people and continuous mm-hmm. improvement. And so we want to provide feedback and opportunities for the community to, you know, learn and grow from the process uh, versus just, you know, calculating the dollars that they're spending on, right. on bidding, bidding work and how that fits into their overall fee structure. 
I think that makes a lot of sense. And that, that's, that's one of the things that I think, you know, even from some of the research that you and I've been involved with over the last few years, you know, the OS2, for example, with, with CII, the, um, you know, this idea that we have this, this ecosystem, this community of construction, capital projects, however, however you want to define it, that you know, we need to invest in the health of that community. And this is a great mm-hmm. example where not everyone can be selected. You know, only one you know, team is going to get selected to, to build any given project. But you know, as you're trying to build for the long-term health of the, of the industry and that community, um, you, you've got to continue to make those investments, even, even in the team that it wasn't selected. So they, they understand you know, the basis for selection. They understand where they, where they did well and, and areas that they need to, you know, to focus on or work on for next time. I, I really like that. I, I love tying in the, the lean respect for people you know, as, as part of that, I think is really, um, really critical as well. Um, you know, we've seen this before where, again, you kind of you go down a path with a collaborative you know, project, but you haven't really done the partner selection in that way. And it reminds me of getting strapped into a roller coaster ride because, you know, it'd be great to know, like, if that person that's, that's seated in the car with you, you know, just ate like six hot dogs and, and <laughs> drank a gallon, a gallon of root beer before they got Oh, on what a visual. You know what I mean? <laughs> Because once once you start, you, I mean, you can get off in the middle of a roller coaster ride, but there's going to be blood and guts, you know. And so, you know, you pretty much the same thing with a construction project. Sure, you, you, things get they get that bad. Yeah, you can change teams, but uh, no no one's going to be happy with with the results. So, yeah, you really want to think about who you're who you're getting in that car with, um, you know, before that project starts off, and uh, make sure it's the right uh, the right team. Uh, yeah, right, absolutely. Right Not value. just the guy who was hiding behind the bar. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, we got, we got, this has been a very colorful conversation, <laughs> ballroom brawls and, and roller coaster rides. But, uh, well, this is fantastic. Anything we've missed you think is really important that you want to touch on before we, we kind of wrap up this episode on partner selection? I mean, we, we could talk about this all day. It's one of those really deep topics, but what do you want to leave, leave our listeners with? Yeah, I mean, I guess the last thing I'll say is whenever I'm involved with a lean IPD project team, you know, often one of the success criteria that's established at the beginning is that at the end of the project, you know, we all want to work together again. And so I'd try to take that sort of same mentality into partner selection in that, you know, we want the people who bid on this work to be willing to and want to bid on future work, whether or not they won this particular project or not. Um, So how do we create an environment where, you know, as an owner, uh, we've got a community who wants to work with us again in the future and wants to put the effort into the process and the approach and put their resources into working on our projects versus another owners. Fantastic. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Make the, make sure the, the whole process is, is, you know, something that people, people are going to, are willing to commit to. Mm-hmm. for. I think it's, again, it underlines the respect for people because you're, you're respecting the fact that those, those that weren't selected did expend resources and time and effort on the process. And they're, and they're going to walk away without a, without a contract. So really, you know, kind of trying to make sure you, you close the loops. They feel good about it, regardless of the outcome and, and are willing to, to continue playing uh, in you know, the next time. It's Kelsey, I really appreciate your insights. Um, it was a great, great conversation. And hopefully our, our listeners will enjoy it and, and provide us with some feedback uh, when you listen to it. And uh, again, we appreciate all of your attention and look forward to continuing to interact with you on the Built Revolution, uh, Lean and Integrated Project Delivery you know, mini-series. I'm Clark Ellis, Principal Continuum Advisory Group. Uh, thank you, Kelsey Henderson, uh, our Lean and Integrated Project Delivery Expert for sharing your insights today. And uh, we look forward to continuing the discussion. Thank you. Awesome, thank you. 
Thanks for listening to the Built Revolution pod brought to you by Continuum Advisory Group. Continue the conversation on Twitter at Built Revolution Pod or email us at hello at builtrevolutionpod.com. The views expressed in this podcast are those of the individuals being interviewed, and they do not necessarily reflect the views of the sponsoring organizations.